0: You are listening to the UCHRI Podcast. This is Allison Anunziata, Research Programs Manager. Today we bring you another talk bit in our series, Interrogating the Concept of Civil War, a robust series that over the past year has resulted in conversations on aerial warfare, digital interfacing, biomedicine, political civility, among other diverse subjects, layer by layer revealing all this concept has to offer. In fall 2018, I had a video chat with Mei Zhen, professor of anthropology at UC Irvine, to discuss the enduring war between the body and its environment. And in line with her research, we discussed recent developments in the practice of Chinese medicine and the impact this has had on civil society. And here's what she had to say. So... In relation to
1: my own project that I'm working on right now, which is very broadly kind of China's knowledge economy, but a little bit more narrowly, sort of healthcare and uh, medical entrepreneurship in China. And if I think about those through uh, the conceptual device of a civil war, then, you know, first thing is the, the war between Chinese medicine and biomedicine. When I wrote my first book, which was about the translocal uh, uh, circulation and refiguration of Chinese medicine in the San Francisco Bay Area, and also in the uh, Shanghai uh, metropolitan region. So my colleagues here, I mean, they supported my project, but uh, it wasn't until much later when you know a friend of mine went to China and she was just sitting on the train and uh, somebody actually walked up to her just because she looked obviously not Chinese and wanted to talk about the war between Chinese medicine and biomedicine. And so she was really shocked just how deeply, right, this discourse has really seeped into uh, everyday life. It wasn't just something that we write about, you know, in, through academic inquiries. It really was and still is part and parcel of people's everyday life. So there are a lot of frustrations against uh, the uh, medical establishment, and that gets taken out on the doctors, who are also aspiring to the same middle-class dreams, right, as their patients. So it's it's a really violent situation where people are kind of squeezed into the same, really the same pursuit, and yet pitched against each other. So there's this kind of very deep entanglement, uh, and yet, at the same time, violence and confrontation, which really, I think, fits into this image of a civil war. Right, It's all together in one, and there's really no way out of it. There's no justification for it. Uh, It's just anger and frustration. and there is no mechanism to channel that kind of anger and frustration, right, at the establishment or at the government. So it's the doctors who were seen as the kind of the embodiment of all the evils of the, of the market. And there's also a problem of uh, transitioning from socialism to kind of a post-socialist state capitalist, well, there isn't really a proper name uh, for it. The idea is before was that the doctors were there to serve the people, that was the Maoist slogan. So they were supposed to be angels in white coats and they were supposed to serve right, the ordinary Chinese. And then after the mid 1990s, uh, medicine became classified as a part of the service economy so, so the doctors felt uh, kind of humiliated in a way, right? So we're, they're in the same category as, as right, hotel workers, for example, right? There is a class issue there, so that, that's how they felt. But if you look at patients' expectations, um, they expect to be served, right? Like as in serve the people and serviced uh, at the same time. Uh, and that was just not the hospitals and the uh, medical professionals were uh, providing. Um, and then on top of that, people get very entrepreneurial, um, so then there are small business businesses that would uh, help uh, whoever has a complaint against the hospitals to stage a protest. So that would take place within the legal parameters, right? You don't destroy anything that's worth more than 5,000 Chinese uh, renminbi, right? So you don't get into trouble with the police. And then the hospitals don't wanna waste their resource because they, they're busy saving people's lives. Um, they, so then they, um, they settle. Oh, so that's a way for, for some of these people to actually make a profit out of medical disputes.
0: What are the forms of medical practice vying for power today?
1: So, well, let me begin with Chinese medicine. So Chinese medicines, as we know it, uh, what I normally tell people these days, it's not really traditional or Chinese or medicine as we know it. Um, So it wasn't traditional in the sense that um, it didn't really acquire any kind of distinct uh, professional identity until around the 20th. Uh, century, um, so and then wasn't really chi- Well, yeah, and that was because uh, of the influx. Well, one influx of biomedicine. Uh, so the Rockefeller Foundation, for example, set up one of the first biomedical hospitals in in uh, Beijing, and that's when the local practitioners started organizing among themselves to argue for a kind of emerge as a professional counterpart. To the influx of bio, uh, biomedicine and it wasn't really Chinese in the sense that uh, when they set up these uh, small academies uh, and clinics in the nineteen early 20th century century it was by adopting the forms and standards of biomedicine so they started compiling textbooks um, they started you know working on a body of theory, right? And, you know, Chinese medicine, of course, had a lot of uh, uh, old textbooks, but they were not meant to be theory. So there were books that you study to kind of familiarize yourself with older practitioners' thinking, their approaches, um, you know, how to prescribe herbs, for example. So, but they were not meant to be read as theory. So, and then in the 1950s, um, that's when the, after the Communist Party came in, they started organizing for the first time these large state-run colleges and hospitals. And what they did was uh, actually uh, recruiting biomedical professionals to apprentice under senior Chinese uh, herbal doctors and acupuncturists, so that they could learn some practices from these older practitioners who didn't know how to run the large hospital and who didn't know how to run the large college. So these biomedical professionals actually became founding members of the first colleges of TCM that's the you know standardized traditional Chinese medicine. And they also compiled standardized textbooks. They ran laboratory research on, you know, theories of Chinese medicine. So that's, you know, it's not really traditional, right, or Chinese and medicine in the sense that um it really wasn't institutionalized until the 1950s and to this day i think a lot of people when i look at the the uh, the entrepreneurs now a lot of them are recruiting people who weren't trained uh in these standardized tcm colleges because they think you know they've really met a dead end uh that kind of approach right by adopting biomedical forms and standards that just wasn't going anywhere and a lot of the so-called superstitious stuff got kind of taken out of it and they really want to they don't want to bring the superstition back in but they want to re want to rethink what is the relationship between humans and the environment right what is the relationship between humans and between us and health and how to actually take health back into their own hands, instead of leaving them in the, in the hands of doctors and medical institutions, uh, which are you know obviously
0: not working. So how does allopathic medicine differ from traditional Chinese medicine and how they treat a diseased body in conflict?
1: So what we see today kind of institutionalized is really bio- medicine which is allopathic. It's a fundamental understanding of the human body, which is the body is an object, is a thing, uh, that can be taken out of its context. And then the body can be divided, right? Fragmented. So uh, right, we have skin and underneath that we have muscles, and underneath that we have skeletons. So the idea of sort of body as an object which then can be subdivided into smaller objects so so then if you have problems in your liver you treat the liver right if you have problems in your i don't know fingers you you take care of that part so it's that kind of divide and conquer kind of approach. Um, So this is actually, and the war metaphor is really important in uh, allopathic medicine. It's all about kill the germs, right? Conquer the disease. Um, And there are a lot of movies, especially about infectious diseases, right? It's always about, it's always a battle. It's always a battle, but it's not a civil war, right? It's always the battle a battle against the aliens, right, however conceptualized, so that's kind of the allopathic or biomedical view of you know body illness and treatment. One very important way in which um, you know people here and also in China discredit uh, traditional Chinese medicine is to say that you guys don't treat diseases, right? Because disease is real and objective, and illness is supposed to be subjective and not so real. And you know, Chinese medicine gets accused of treating illnesses or symptoms, right? So this all these really subjective, superficial uh, phenomena. So I, I one way that the the practitioners of Chinese medicine. Counter is to say that we actually, no, you're right, we don't treat disease, we treat the human. So really bringing the humans back into focus instead of detaching the disease, right? Taking the disease out of the human body and treating it as a separate object. The difference then is instead of adopting this kind of destructive approach, to disease, right? To kill and to conquer. Then the question is how to approach health constructively. So, one metaphor that I found really useful is to think about one is kind of a ball and socket view of the body, and the other one is really trying about trying to grow a rose garden, uh, which is right a long term project, but it's not this kind of idyllic idealistic, romantic view of the body, but rather actually, you know, for anybody who's ever tried to grow a rose garden, it's hard, right? You're, you know, dealing with disease, dealing with pests, all sorts of things. Um, So, but it's kind of a longer term idea of care in which the human is always part of a much larger environment, whether it's natural or social, and that's what a lot of these new medical entrepreneurs in China are pushing for now. Instead of you know going to large hospitals, um, so think about how to adjust your everyday life in relation to your surroundings, to your mood, to your job, to your environment, to pollution, and which unfortunately is a you know, everyday issue in urban China. So it's kind of their slogan is to bring medicine back to life. So it's a, you know, a pun intended. So it's bring medicine within the fold, back within folds of everyday life. So it's holistic in that sense, uh, but also kind of to bring it back to life. So reanimate it. So it's, it's getting away from all that fragmentation and uh, objectification. People became attracted to that idea precisely because of what they went through, right? All the, all the uh, violent encounters and sufferings that they experienced in their own lives.
0: Do you think there is anything civil then in the war between the body and the environment? That's a great uh, question. And I think that's actually a really
1: useful way To rethink the question between the humans and uh, Tian, which is a Chinese term for heavens or the cosmos. So during the Mao period, uh, the really kind of popular idea is Ren Ding Shen Tian, which means humans will conquer the world or humans will conquer. The natural environment basically, or, or humans will conquer nature. Um, so it, it is this very much again, this idea of war, of right, uh, kind of a dialectical struggle, right, between humans and nature. And that includes uh, between, you know, humans and. Disease. And that's actually how those TCM textbooks were written in the 60s and 70s. They all argued that Chinese medicine was the product of the struggles between humans and nature, right? The accumulation of their experience uh, through those struggles. And that's a very classic market, Marxist, Maoist dialectic, you know, materialism uh, framework. And that's kind of, that's not fashionable anymore. So what these, a lot of people argue these days is uh, 天人合一, which means heavens and humans are one, right? But the thing is, it's not a kind of oneness that's grounded in harmony. When we talk about Chinese medicine, like Eastern philosophy, you know, we think about, oh, it's, it's harmony, peace and harmony, you know, da, 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 da. No, that's not what it's all about uh so it's that is an aspiration you work all your life towards that goal knowing actually we always live in and live through disharmony so that's something that a lot of people are trying to uh grapple with now right if you want to call it a war then it's a civil war right it's not a outright confrontation but something that you kind of work through on an everyday basis and everything is inside there is nothing outside it's all inside it's a kind of dynamic oneness so to give you one example like so um so one sort of important diagnostic technique in chinese medicine is uh uh taking the pulse and your, your pulse feels differently, yes. Uh, for example, depending on the season. So in spring, a lot of people have something called the floating pulse, and it has to do with the quality of the season um, so spring being when things are growing, yang, which is the kind of masculine ascending principle that's on the rise, um, and that also corresponds with what happens inside of our bodies, right? It's not about harmony. It's the body is in constant disharmony and needs to be adjusted and balanced. So that's kind of the uh, idea. Right. And that's the the relationship between us and everything else. We are basically like human is the microcosm of the larger cosmos. It's just, it's one. It's a disharmonious one, but it's one. The opposite of this kind of war metaphor in medicine is not peace. It's actually disharmony or civil war, if you will. Right. That's something that you work through on an everyday basis. It's an aspiration that, you know, generates certain things, certain practices, but, but
0: it's not the direct opposite of war. How would you characterize medicine's relationship to war? I don't know enough about the history
1: of traditional Chinese medicine because, but um, there were, you know, major bodies of works that were produced during those really uh, tumultuous times, like dynastic changes, right? Wars and famine. They actually have a very direct Impact on the kinds of illnesses right, that emerge uh, and uh, sort of new medical knowledges right how people approach how they uh, treat uh, these illnesses uh, Chinese medicine is always at the forefront of actually Chinese civil war, if you will so if you, so if you look at you know, modern uh, Chinese history so we 're thinking about roughly. 1911, uh, when when the Qing Dynasty was overthrown, and the Republic of China was founded. 1911, uh, all the way to 1949. That's the uh, end of the Chinese Civil War between the Communist Party and the Nationalist Party. So the National Party, Nationalist Party, went off to Taiwan, uh, defeated, and the Communist Party came to power. So Chinese medicine went through. <laughs> I don't want to say an interesting time, but a very difficult time. So when the Republic of China was founded, um, uh, so Chinese, there was a whole conversation, debate, a really fierce debate about, of course, modernity and backwardness, right? Uh, What is holding the Chinese nation back after losing, um, you know, the opium war and then the, Sino-Japanese War, um, the nation was humiliated, um, the treaty ports were opened up, um, you know, parts of China was, were, were, were uh, carved out by the uh, imperialist powers. Um, so there was a lot of discussion about tradition and modernity, how to save the nation. Right? Um, so and then Chinese medicine was singled out as either the symbol of the Chinese nation, right? if you look at positively, or the, the symbol of all oh, that's wrong with China, right? It's backward, it's unscientific, it's irrational, so on and so forth. Why do people still believe in that? So, so that was kind of a colonial or you know, formation that led to this internal debate about Chinese modernity through uh, Chinese medicine. And then you know, there were different positions within the nationalist party so at one point, uh, Chinese medicine was almost outlawed. And, uh, and then the practitioners actually organized themselves to petition uh, to the nationalist government. Um, and that became actually the Chinese, uh, Chinese Medicine Day, which is honored uh, to this day actually in North America. So and then after the uh, Communist Party won the Civil War, They were trying to, of course, claim uh, the cultural heritage of China. So how did they do that? Well, uh, so Chairman Mao said Chinese medicine is the treasure house of of our motherland. So that whole project of reinventing Chinese medicine uh, really had a great deal to do, actually, with the Civil War directly. And as part of the Communist Party's effort to claim to be the legitimate uh, ruler, right that inherits the you know whatever three thousand five hundred years of depending on who you ask of Chinese cultural uh, tradition. I guess um, I would say politics is changing, and it's really reached into all the little corners of your everyday life. And in that sense, I think medicine and healthcare have been changing to moving back uh, into the everyday. Uh, because there are so, so many problems in the state healthcare system now, uh, and partly because of the Chinese state's initiatives to grow its knowledge economy, which you know, a lot of uh, that takes place in the, in the kind of private uh, sector, some of these medical practices, these healthcare practices, these ideas uh, that could not be articulated within the establishment are now coming out uh, through these private uh, enterprises. And a lot of people are able to set up these small shops, these small startups, because they have previously worked in large corporations, in banks, in you know multinational firms, they've accumulated the resource, they've accumulated the networks and, and, and experience to actually move into private healthcare uh, sector now. There are a lot of different kinds of medical entrepreneurship in China now. So what I've been looking at is, is what's kind of loosely grouped together as classical Chinese medicine. So people who are really unhappy uh, with not just biomedicine but also traditional Chinese medicine as it is done uh, in you know public institutions. Um, so it's 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 really fun because um, there isn't any kind of standardized form. So some are these small reading groups. Some are you know membership clubs. You can rent the space and make a medicinal meal for your friends. Um, Yes, (laughs) you can, you know, and then some have like a a kung fu department, you can go and practice martial arts. Uh, Some have a clinical component, some don't, some are online, some are offline. So it's really diverse in that sense and very vibrant as life should be. uh, but at the same time, the, the, uh, what they have in common is that they all position themselves outside of the uh, establishment, right? Even though the actual history is far more complex, but that's how they position themselves. And so again, it's kind of like a civil war, right? We're not part of the establishment, but we kind of are right through all these very complex networks, and entanglements, but still trying to carve out something different. They call themselves classical medicine so they're not traditional Chinese medicine and they're not biomedicine so they're yeah <laughs>
0: It's pretty wild yes This podcast is brought to you by UCHRI in connection with our Horizons of the Humanities Initiative, which is generously funded by the Mellon Foundation. For more interventions on the subject of civil war, visit Boundry. UCHRI's platform for experimentation in the humanities at uchri.org/foundry